Welcome to She Is Your Neighbor, a show where we discuss the realities and complexities of domestic violence. This podcast is brought to you by Women's Crisis Services of Waterloo Region, a charitable organization in Ontario, Canada. I'm your host, Jenna Main. Join me as we talk to different people each week to learn how domestic violence impacts people from all walks of life. She is your neighbor, and we all have a role to play in ending domestic violence. This week's episode is called The Family Experience of Domestic Violence with Ryan Wicklum. Ryan grew up in a small town, and now he lives in Waterloo Region, where he works in the tech sector. He is the director of business development at a company called Change Connect. In this episode, Ryan talks about his aunt, who is a survivor of domestic violence. He is very close with his aunt, and in this episode, he explains that it really impacted him when he began learning about the abuse that she experienced. He explains how she overcame the experience and how he now uses this information to support women in the workplace. I really enjoyed speaking with Ryan and I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Before we get started, I'd like to note that the following episode includes discussion of domestic violence and abuse, which may be distressing or traumatic for some listeners. Please take care of yourself and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. I'd also like to thank our episode sponsor, Labatta Motors. Good, bad, or no credit, but still need a reliable vehicle? That's when you call the finance experts at Labatta Motors in Cambridge. They deal with the financing so you don't have to, and they only deal with institutions that actually report to your credit bureau. You focus on the vehicle, Labatta Motors focuses on the credit. To find the vehicle you want and the credit you need, contact Labatta Motors today. Family owned and operated since 1999. Hi, Ryan. Thanks so much for being here today with me. Oh, pleasure's mine, Jenna. Thanks for having me. To begin, could you maybe just start by sharing a little bit about yourself for everybody? Sure. Uh, so my name is Ryan. Um, I, I work uh, for a company called Change Connect as the uh, Director of Business Development, which is a sales consultancy that uh, provides anything sales related uh, to startups and SMBs. Um, my background is I, was, I grew up in a very small town of 250 people. Um, it's about 600 now, but you know, it's, that's, that's large growth uh, since then. So I kind of I had that upbringing with that, that was very rural um, in, in nature. That translated into a kind of move to the automotive industry and then into tech. So for the first um, 20 years of my career, I worked for um, in automotive and then in, for a tech company for six years as well. So since then, I've transitioned into the sales, uh, sales realm, but I'm still to maintain that that small town uh, way of doing things. Great, thank you. Yeah, and uh, I'm from a small town myself, a little town called Brecken, and uh, it's just a, a small little town there. So uh, I kind of know the small town living. <laughs> I definitely feel that. Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to bring uh, bring my uh, my wife and two kids and, and my dog to uh, to the small town eventually. So. Speaking about when you were growing up, I know that when you were growing up, you had a family member who uh, was experiencing domestic violence, and I was hoping you would be able to share a little bit about that with us today, um, as much as you're comfortable. 100%. So, 
um, to to be clear about um, the situation, when this um, domestic violence was happening, I I didn't actually experience that. I didn't I didn't know um, growing up. All I knew at, at the start, you know, of my childhood was that my aunt was one of my favorite people. Like I love her. I love her so much. And when um, when kind of subtle references were made about about what she went through and the domestic abuse that was going on and some of the um, the violence that was happening, it it blew my mind because there was this um, this positive ray of sunshine that I I could never picture as someone who had been through um, that kind of domestic abuse within her marriage when she was young and so it kind of opened my eyes to and it was mystifying that she could have gone through that and I had no idea so as I as I got older there were kind of like I said subtle references but then when I when it was when I was able to kind of handle a bit more of the truth then it was kind of opened up that that yes like she had this her first marriage was when she was young was very abusive and to the point where um there was a couple of situations in which you know she might not have made it out of of that of that situation um to the point like and i won't go into great detail but there was one situation where this large man basically had her um had his foot on her throat and said like if we ever have a baby and it comes out not blonde then i'm going to take both of you out so that's the kind of that's the kind of situation and the kind of it you know um relationship that she was in Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's, I know it's sometimes difficult to talk about and to hear, but I think it's important, especially when you kind of explain, you know, your aunt was this really happy person, like a ray of sunshine you described her as. And I think it just really shows that we don't always know what's happening with people. Uh, we can't really assume what's happening. Um, and, and we don't always know the severity of things either. Like that was a very, you know, dangerous situation. And, and I'm so sorry that that happened to her. And so wonderful that she's able to get through it now yeah and, and you can't tell like and luckily she was young so i think she was she she left him when she was 25 so she had the ability to to decouple a little bit easier than than someone that's been in a long-term relationship but but still yeah it, does, it definitely opens your eyes that there's levels behind people and what you see isn't exactly what's going on and, and some people do a really good job of shielding the outside world from what is going on um, you couldn't tell my, my mom or my aunt is a person of faith and is you know, that is that is abundant in her life. And, you know, so you can never kind of understand that she would put up with that. But it's very hard when you're not in it to hear it secondhand. It, 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 to have it make sense doesn't really kind of jive. Right. Yeah. And you're talking about those subtle references that you never actually knew but there are these little things and I think sometimes that's how it goes with domestic violence is you know it's not always glaringly obvious to people on the outside um, to neighbors or friends kind of what's happening so it's kind of learning what are those little subtle cues because it's such a complex thing and and we're never going to know completely into somebody else's life but I think it's good to talk about this more to kind of increase awareness about what those subtle things are and I'm wondering if you could elaborate on that a little more like what what kind of were those little hints that you might have had the kind of verbal cues and situational hints that you refer to 
included um, like when my aunt got married for the second time uh, there was there were kind of references to this is such a change from her first marriage or or kind of looking at it from a time standpoint and saying well look how far she's come from what, what she put up with previously so at first you're growing up you don't you don't get them but then as you mature and there are, and there are other situations and you're actually introduced the idea of domestic violence if you haven't had it in your own home but then you meet people who are um who have been abused or you know are currently in abusive relationships and then you kind of put pieces together and then you can kind of go back into conversations from the past and think okay that makes sense and then when you're old enough to kind of handle to ask the question and and understand the answer or and understand the gravity of the answer that's when you that's when it kind of changes and that's when you you get a lot more insight because you you that curiosity takes hold um in this case i, I was had the ability because my, my aunt is so easygoing and, and positive and bubbly about life in general and she's perfectly comfortable talking about the past and and so is her, her husband her, her husband now is perfectly fine with her discussing it then it it kind of allows for conversations to happen and then you get a little bit more depth and, and you appreciate i appreciate her more considering what she went through and and how she transitioned into what she is and who she is now Oh, yeah, like what strength and resiliency to be able to overcome something so difficult. And you and I have talked before, so I know, but maybe you could share a little bit more about your aunt uh, and kind of her work and kind of the things she has accomplished since then as well. 100%. So it's it's funny how it worked out that this abusive relationship almost was a springboard into a career change because she was working for a company it was just a, it was just a job she was you know living in a big city and she had a very like powerful successful husband and then when she exited that relationship um then she thought you know what i need to make a full transition i need everything to change and she was young enough that she didn't have a career that was really set to jump off from and then she went into into business and she became a very successful businesswoman and business leader to the point where she was the first uh, female executive in, in her company. So she got to the point where she was leading a massive um, worldwide team and uh, was the first woman to do so. So to kind of have that, that capability and, and not let what happened to her, and not only, not only did she not let it derail her, but she actually used it as a springboard to to further her career and, and to further success. That is so cool. I love strong women's stories and working women's stories. I think it's so cool. And I think uh, we're, you know, I just think it's really motivating and empowering to hear that kind of thing and hear how she's been able to go on and grow from this and make such a positive change. And I think because of that, I think it, there's also a confidence that, you know, she overcame this and now she is, so much better for it and i think that's p- maybe part of what you know brought her to her second husband who is also a very successful um engineer um and i'm assuming that the conference had some piece of it that she had she had kind of almost empowered herself to do this and it, you it's almost like it's, it's it's overflowing the confidence that within and it becomes almost a an outgoing aura and i think that 
uh, her second husband definitely picked up on that um, through conversations with him I've I've kind of unearthed you know part of what it was that, that drew him to her and that was definitely a part of it that's really cool to hear and we were talking earlier about um, you and I are both from small rural towns and I'm wondering was your aunt from a small rural community as well um, initially, she wasn't from the uh, town I grew up in, but she was raised in a small, uh, small town outside of Winnipeg in Manitoba. Um, so um, that that kind of, I think it's it's grounding to 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 people, and they they there's a sense of camaraderie, and and when pressed, people will band together to support, and I think that that's inevitably what. Um, Part of what, what kind of driv, drove her to make the make the exit was the fact that she had that support system that was, you know, based in, in that small town living that allowed her to um, to move on. That's really good to hear. That's great to hear because sometimes we also hear with rural women too, it can be a little more difficult to leave just because of access to resources and things like that. And um, in some situations, it can be really dangerous because there may be weapons on the property and things like that. So there's, you know, there's always so many risks and it's different for every situation. But I am glad to hear that piece about the camaraderie and the community because I think that's that's exactly what's needed when someone's going through something like this. You need a support system to lean on. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think that, that one of the things that's very important um, to, when, when someone is going through this kind of thing from what I've seen is it's, it's, not, it's a human nature to want to jump into action. But I think sometimes you, you need to take that, the first couple of moments to kind of ponder what the what the consequences could be right so in the case of I remember talking to my aunt about this just recently and and she said that you know it was important that that the people that were supporting her were supporting her and but they, they weren't trying to kind of shove a solution down her throat they were there and they were cohesive and they were banding together but it wasn't something where they had to um they had to kind of force her to do something. They kind of let her make the decision, created that infrastructure that for the exit, even to the point where that you know, giving her a car to actually pack up her stuff and and drive her stuff away from where she was living with her husband. But it's very important to allow the the person in the in the situation to make that decision and that determination for herself. Um, it, it almost it's very important because if if you force them to make the decision they don't own it it's not theirs it's not personal if they make their own decision and their own determination they thought about it you thought about it and there's almost a sense of pride that goes along with it that might might actually drive sticking to the plan as opposed to kind of reverting back to back to the relationship that wasn't um wasn't safe Yeah, I totally get that. And I think with our work at Women's Crisis Services, there's some of that too. You know, we see our role as being there to support women when they're going through these times um, and provide options, which is kind of what you were talking about. Um, And here's a variety of options and here's how to be safe. And and one thing that we'll do with women all the time is making safety plans. And whether that's, you know, having, if they're still living in the relationship and still living in the home with the, the, the partner, they, it might be something as simple as, you know, keeping a bag packed with clothes. 
keeping your IDs and things all together so that if you do need to make a quick exit, if things escalate, you're able to do so. Um, so I, I, I kind of get what you're saying there and about kind of laying out options um, and being there in a supportive but non-judgmental way. So, you know, with us, we might have women who come into shelter, stay for a bit. They might go back to the partner because that's what is right for them at that time. And then maybe later on, um, they're able to leave the relationship. But as long as they're able to live more safely and they have a plan, I think we're making progress and we're making steps in the right direction. So I think that for people to know and feel that they're supported is just so important. Certainly. And I think that it's, it's great to, to wish there was a situation that 100% of the women that left abusive relationships stuck with the plan and actually left the relationship. But that's, you know, that's a serendipitous way of looking at things. It's very, um, very pie in the sky almost that it's not, not based in realism. Realism is that, you know, I can't, I don't know, you would know more than I would about the percentages, but there's going to be a subset of uh, women that leave that are going to go back. And all you can do is provide that, that, that support plan and that kind of uh, pathway for them to walk down if they so chose. You can't, you can't make the pathway mandatory. Yeah, and I think it's it's so difficult, right? Like something we sometimes get asked is, you know, why didn't the woman just leave? I don't I don't understand why didn't she leave? And I know these are well-intentioned um, people asking these questions, but sometimes it's a little frustrating too because you're thinking, you know, uh, you and I might know there's so many barriers. You know, there's financial reasons, there's children, there's just there's a lot of barriers, uh, and it can be a real challenge. It's not just a one split-second decision to leave. Um, and I'm kind of curious if, if you know of some of the barriers that your aunt may have faced when she was thinking about leaving, if you'd be willing to talk about that a bit. Yeah, of course. Well, my aunt was, like I said, my aunt was very young when she got married. I think she was, said she was 17 uh, when she was married. So for her specifically, I think that there was a sense of, well, I'm really young. I, I don't know what, I don't know the way that it should be anyway. Right, there, she didn't have that the benefit of experience or time gone by. Like she was very much in the, she was still growing. She was still, you know, an immature seventeen-year-old. That, that's not going to, uh, um, that's not going to change. So, um, I think for her specifically, it was great because she didn't have any ties either. Like there was no, there were no kids. It was just, it was she was married, yes, but um, she didn't have a lot of stuff. Most of the stuff was his. Um, like I said, no children, uh, family close by. So it, it kind of had, there was the opportunity to get out and have it stick. And I think that once the the abuse got to a point where it was, you know, like I described earlier, kind of graphically, and there was a lot of graphic intent. Um, I think you put two and two together and, and sometimes you come up with a different different answer but um, in this case, it's almost like an opportunity cost, like to borrow a term from business. It's, you know, my, I, could, I could stay or I could leave. If I stay, what am I missing out on? Like, what's the opportunity cost? And if I leave, what am, what am I missing out on? And I think once somebody kind of puts the, the balance in, in place, like, okay, if I leave, I'm missing out on the violence and the, the abuse. If I stay, I'm missing out on all kinds of good things. So... Um, I think that's something that it comes into mind, maybe not in an organized fashion, but that kind of plays a, plays a factor 
and maybe just the perception of others. I think that sometimes, you know, in any situation, we worry about the perception of others. But in this, this case specifically, I think there could be an, as, uh, an aspect of a woman being abused and, and wondering how people would perceive her as an abu- a victim of abuse or how she'd be treated, you know, when she left. I think all those things are definitely um, definitely barriers, and but all, it really depends on the person, and it depends on the situation, it depends on you know factors like children and family. Like, is there is is their family far away? Are they close by? Is there a support system that they could just access quickly? Um, you know, what's actually what consideration could be what the history of his family is, right? Or or the the presence of abuse in in her family growing up like there's so many things that could factor in and i think all we can do is is help provide that pathway that they they could choose to walk down and if they do they get this and if they don't they get this right so there's kind of a um it's not easy it's not as easy as a go or no go situation but um it, it you need to kind of provide options you mentioned um you're, you know, it was hard for your mom too, you know, going through this. And I, I'm just curious a, a little bit more what that was like, kind of seeing your mom supporting your aunt through this, or, or even thinking back now, what kind of that was like. Well, I, I, I didn't quite um, see her supporting because like, I, the way that the timelines kind of lined up, you know, I was really, really small when this was going on. Um, I think the, the, the impact was when. Um, was when I, w- I would see the way my, my mom would react when she would bring it up, which, uh, almost like she would let it slip, that this, is, this had gone on. And I had questions about why is my Aunt Linda's name different than your name, you know, her last name, so to speak. Um, so these questions led to her being you know, selectively open about certain things. And I think when I started to put the pieces together, I thought, you know, yeah, no doubt my mom, of course she would. Of course she was there to kind of be that, the the central cog in this in this escape plan because I've seen the way she reacts to certain things growing up. You know, I've, I've for her to, to be there because when my aunt was going through it, my mom was just getting married. So, you know, she already, she had her own struggles with, not with abuse, but with, you know, being a, a, a new, a new wife and, and, you know, soon getting pregnant with with me. So just knowing that she was, you know, entering into this stage of her life, marrying my dad, and still being, like like I said, a central cog in this, this escape plan was impressive, uh, but not shocking. And then kind of seeing what my mom, my mom went through with, uh, with my dad and seeing the way my aunt reacted to it, you can almost see the, the mirror image. And you can see almost like the the reciprocity involved that, okay, you were there for me, I'll, I'll be there for you. And even though there's, like my aunt lives, lives in the U.S., like, so she's in, um, she was in, in Florida when my, my dad was sick, Ge- geography means nothing. Whenever my mom needed somebody to talk to, you, you know that she could pick up the phone and, and, and talk to my aunt because not only was she going through this, but she had you know three growing boys to take care of as well. So there was that added kind of, level to it so i think my aunt recognized that that my aunt never did have uh children of her own so she had that almost that excess energy that she could 
she could give out because knowing that my, my mom was going through you know a husband with cancer and then three three boys in their, in their teenage years so um yeah i think there's definitely that like they said that reciprocity that allowed them to be supportive of each other almost separated by decades which is ironic that is so cool it's just so cool how they're able to support each other through these times and like i just think like what amazing strong women that is just so cool to hear and well jenna i've been very lucky in that you know i've had examples of strong women my entire life including my aunt because i had never seen her as as someone as, who was abused i had always seen her as this positive bubbly strong woman who created this life for herself and was you know wildly successful what she did um i was lucky that my mom my mom's the same way and very fortunate they were people of faith so that there's an almost that internal strength that they can tap into any time to to kind of get through a situation and when i was uh 19 i found out that my dad was sick so i saw the way my, my mother handled that and so I, I, I saw firsthand the everyday strength of someone who who's watching her, you know, her husband kind of dwindle from what he was to eventually passing on. So I saw that the strength that she used and the kind of fortitude that she had. So I've used that to, and I've tapped into that for myself, saying, listen, if, if my aunt and my mom can go through these situations, I can go through anything, right? Because, you know, I'm not in those situations, so... The world is my is open to me. So, I think when it comes to tech, like I've been very, I, I once I once I forget who the study was from, but I, I read a study that there was 180 teams of six in this study, and they were tested for you know aptitude and and their quality of looks at performance, etc. And in this study, they had um, 60 all female teams and 60 all male teams and 60 half and half, and teams of six people. So the teams of six women were more successful they were happier and they were more empathetic to the plight of those who didn't succeed and it kind of resonated with me because you know especially in automotive automotive at the time and and to a point now is it's a very male dominated industry so there's definitely this you know the the threads of misogyny throughout throughout the automotive industry so growing up i you know in my work life i experienced that and so it's kind of like almost in a blender. I had this idea that women are strong. I had this idea that they were successful and they're capable and they're empathetic. And yet every day I was presented with, you know, this, this curtain of misogyny throughout um, my work life. So it's a bit of an internal battle uh, sometimes. But, but I think what it's brought to me is that, you know, as I've managed teams in, in the tech world, I, I look to, you know, if apples are apples and there's, there's equal capabilities and characteristics of of um, employees i tend to lean towards women because they they will band together when necessary but independently they're still strong and they're still, still capable but because of what i've seen my my mom and my aunt go through in various situations i know my my almost my internal uh, default setting is that women can do can get through those things and the, the business world is full of those situations on a lower level, obviously, but they're full of blockers and challenges and obstacles and um, whether they be personal or or numerical. I think that um, you mentioned that the, 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 the business world and specifically the, the tech world, I think it, it largely depends on the, on the company and the leaders because 
it's very tough and I will give all credit to, to tech leaders. They have a good idea and they all of a sudden have a business. And then every day they make they make decisions that are that have a lot of gravity for their employees. So and as as the company grows and grows, each decision kind of has more and more levels of consequence to it. So, you know, f- full um, full credit to those who um, who have tech companies and who are successful in that world. I think that in tech specifically, because of you know you know in this region, you know, even more so, the there's a lot of engineering-based companies, and engineering is typically a male-dominated um, career career path, and it's changing now. Like, like, and I'm I'm a big supporter and proponent of of women getting involved as early as possible to to these uh, these career choices. But I think that it's it's really important to understand for a male leader that these things could be going on, and it's just a matter of kind of what is the what is the um what's the pathway that the male leader can create for his his employees both male and female but specifically from a uh, domestic standpoint you know if you do lead a woman like you manage a woman you know you almost have to have in the back of your head that this might be going on and that your your words and your actions might be triggers to other things it's funny. I, I I read a stat in preparation for this um, for the podcast about victims of domestic violence um, losing nearly eight million days of paid work per year in the in the U.S. and translating to you know one point eight billion dollars of lo- productivity loss. So, yes, you, you I think males especially, but all leaders should be cognizant from a personal standpoint and have intrinsic value in helping but from a productivity standpoint there's also that that kind of thread that your company might not be as successful if you don't support your people in whatever they go through in in this in this case oh yeah that makes a lot of sense that speaks to me a lot because i actually used to work at an uh, engineering company in my past life (laughs) before i did this and i loved the company i can't say enough good things about them um, but I was one of few women who worked at the company and it, it definitely is a different feeling when you're working with all men, that's for sure. And I was lucky to have a really amazing manager who was really cognizant and trying to understand how I felt and if I was comfortable all the time. And he was really hyper aware of that. And I actually really appreciated that. I thought that was really kind of him. Uh, but I can see how it would be really difficult. It's actually, another thing. what it is, it's actually more, it's more prevalent in the fact that we have moved away from the office and to more of a remote work setting because now there isn't that outlet to kind of go to the office for eight hours plus travel like if you you're there all all the time and um i just recently uh, found out that the the global search for national domestic abuse uh hotline went up 250 percent in the first 30 days of this pandemic so i can only imagine that was before companies you know were locked down that's before companies had mandatory you know remote work in in a lot of cases so um it's actually probably i can assume it's more prevalent and much more of an of an issue because you know these these people that are being abused domestically their entire world is domestic now there is no outside world like they don't get to travel out 
to 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 enjoy not to enjoy, well enjoy is the wrong word i think but to partake of you know adult conversation with people who are not abusing them but they're 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 very present in in the moment and then you tack on unemployment and people getting laid off right and businesses not not surviving it's just like this pressure cooker and i can only assume that that you know eventually it 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 bursts on on a personal level but also on a, on a large larger level yeah i think you make a great point about it being so difficult when we're all at home and, and difficult for employees and colleagues to pick up on cues and stuff it's so hard when we're over a screen right now um, one positive thing I'll say is we've had uh, quite a few tech companies reach out to us in the last year and ask if we could do trainings for them and their staff on how to recognize the signs, what you do to support someone. Yeah, and I thought that was so encouraging because it's not something we've heard a lot of before. There hasn't been a lot of interest, but it seems to be a growing awareness. And uh, I'd love to see more of that. I, I think that's so fantastic. Yeah, and I think that for, for the training aspect, it's, you know, I guess my... My, my natural curiosity would go to when is a good time to have that training, right? Is, is it, is it um, during onboarding when someone's coming on, you know, f- first coming on board to the company? Is it, you know, if is there specific management training that if someone gets promoted, they should be kind of exposed to the kinds of training that your entity provides? Like, I think that, I think we, you know, you know I've enjoyed my time in tech, don't get me wrong, I, I love the region. But I think that we could definitely do, as a region, do almost a self-inventory of policies and of companies and, and really make a push that, especially in, in the, the increasingly remote work that we're doing, we need to really examine the, the pathways and the training that we're providing to our employees and, and our leaders because they, they need to look for cues and they need to kind of have the ability to be sometimes be a sounding board sometimes be an outlet sometimes be you know a, a, a part of the escape plan like there's so many things that are that are that are involved now that i think that as the companies you definitely need to examine but also the region needs to examine how we can do better because we're, we're not there yet yeah, I think those are some great thoughts and questions to to get us all thinking. And I think I think it's definitely not a, a one size fits all solution. Like you said, you're like, you know, is it is it in training? When is it? And I think different people and different businesses are going to have um, different practices and different things that work for them. But to me, the important thing is getting this conversation going. Like, let's talk about it. Let's think about what we can do. We might not get it right the first time, but hey, at least we're trying. Like to me that's great. Let's, let's move towards something. I think that's really positive and encouraging. So I love that. I'm also wondering, Ryan, um, just simply why this conversation is important to you. Yeah, obviously with, like, there's a personal attachment. I think that like my aunt is, you know, if I were to line up the people I love the most, like she's right there in the middle. Um, so, and I've also seen the impact it has my mom. So my mom's, you know, top of the list too so um there's definitely intrinsic value in in pushing forth the conversation i i think also because of my background in coming from a small town working automotive working in tech as i as i'm networking and as i'm talking to clients or talking to having these conversations all the time it's it's important to me to 
because I've, I've kind of experienced all these different aspects of typically slow moving environments when it comes to understanding domestic abuse and not putting up with it, obviously, but also I think it's very important to put myself to put myself and, and people like like me putting themselves on the line saying, listen, like enough, like, like what what can we do to help and what can we and to bring light to the fact that, you know, obviously the threat of what you're trying to accomplish is, yes, there are situations in which domestic abuse is obvious, but there are more than likely more situations where it's not it's not present at all. It's not it's not apparent to those around women that are being abused that we need to understand that it could have, it could be happening and we need to understand that there are levels behind people that we don't know about and cues to look for etc so because of my background in like i said small town where men are men and women are women and there are certain duties are, are assigned kind of in the slots because of that and there's almost a class system involved moving into automotive and now into tech it, these are conversations that need to happen and i'm, I'm happy to to be um, be upfront with it because it's I'm a big believer intrinsically, but also in logically. Like I'm a, I consider myself a pretty logical cat, and <laughs> so I look at the situation. I think this is not logical that we are where we are. We need to be further. So it doesn't make any sense to me that that you know we aren't as supportive as we, as we need to be. And I'm glad that we're moving. I'm glad the needle is getting there. And like you said, you know, you're not done. But um, I'm glad that there's 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 movement. Anything I can do to accelerate that movement and kind of kind of to, to change it from a, more of a tectonic shift to something more gradual and fluid, I think is is uh, is important. I think so too. And you know, so this is called the "She Is Your Neighbor" podcast, and it's all about you know what can we do to be good neighbors like we really think we all have a role to play in ending domestic violence and i know you've talked about this a bit in different pieces throughout this already but i'm i'm really wondering what you think we can all do to be better neighbors to women who are experiencing domestic violence number one i think it's it should be obvious it's just to you know be a good person and treat people well i think you know if you're if you are not treating people well then you could be exasperating a situation and you could be making it worse. Um, I, I can only think that, for example, if someone is being abused and and you are walking by them on the street and you, you're generally sour towards them, I think it just adds another person that isn't on their side, right? And I think that, that just kind of you know piles up. Like I said before, I think you know when you find out that someone is being being abused it's it's really it's, i think it's very important to think before leaping into action i think that you know it's noble to want to help and to and to want to to be the person that that is a part of an exit strategy but um there are layers that might not that you might not consider and i think you need to think about that and and more specifically get the help like reach out and just kind of find out what might be a good thing to do and more importantly what not to do like don't just think don't just assume that your your good natured gesture is is the way to go like your intent is good but your action could be terrible and and the last thing i think is people need to avoid preconceived notions um it's hard to do so but i think that when when there's a preconceived notion that someone who is being abused 
um, fits into fits into a box or fits into a category. We need to avoid thinking like that. I think we need to avoid thinking that someone is weak because they put up with what they put up with. Some people do it to protect others. Some people do it for other reasons. And I think that without knowing those reasons and without kind of being present in their situation, you can't assume anything. I think just 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 let them be what they want to be. And if they want to leave, yes, help, but help, you know, with thought in mind. Um, don't just act you know, upon upon first inclination. I think it's, it's important to um, understand that that there's so many levels to everyone that you can't know you can't know everything. So it's great great to want to help. That's perfect. To help involves more more people, more layers, more things, more considerations. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much for being here today, Ryan. I really appreciate it. All the pleasure is mine, Jenna. I appreciate you having me on. That wraps up this week's show, but the conversation is far from over. We want to hear what you think. Use the hashtag SheIsYourNeighbor on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and join in the conversation. We all have a role to play in ending domestic violence.